Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a safety advisory. This is a trigger warning. Some of the language or content used in this week's episode may be found as disturbing or harmful to one's self, aka triggering. Be advised and please proceed with caution. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Pilot's Pandemic. You're here with Emma and my lovely co-host, Maddie. Hey guys, happy to be back. So we are going to be covering a topic today that we've discussed previously um, twice. And I mean, Maddie and I both feel it's super important to discuss again. Honestly, we probably will never stop discussing this or forget this topic, but before we get into the subject today, I wanted to discuss, you know, what we've been up to. What did we do this past weekend, Maddie? Okay, I'll go first. So <laughs> Emma and I both went and did some Christmassy things, and I actually got to go to a burlesque nutcracker show, which usually the nutcracker is huge, but I've never heard of burlesque nutcracker. So my husband booked us tickets with some friends, went down to Seattle, and I'm going to say that was like one of the funnest shows that I've been to. I was not supposed to take videos, but me being the outed rule breaker that I am, I (laughs) totally took some videos. My husband's like, you're not supposed to be doing that. Like, oh, oops. But it was so much fun. Um, If you guys have a chance to ever see it, I highly recommend it. I, when, when I told my boyfriend about that, because we both, what's the burlesque movie with, um, uh, Christina Aguilera yes Chicago is it Chicago it's not Chicago I want to say it's I honestly think it might be called just like burlesque or something like I think you're right because I think I've seen that too such a good movie but when we found out about that I needless to say we were pretty pretty jealous I I can imagine that that was so much fun but We kind of did some Christmas celebration here just with the family. We went and saw Christmas lights. And then um, I actually got to see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I'm pretty sure that's like how you say it, which Mm -hmm. what an like I don't I still no matter how many times somebody explains the name to me, I don't get it. But they're the ones that I'm not going to sing for you guys, but they have a very, very popular Christmas song, which is like a rendition of a classical song, but they turned it into rock and roll. Basically, it was a rock show. And I I thought this was going to be, I don't know what I expected. I really didn't have any expectations, but I was blown away. It was actually so much fun. And everyone who performed was so talented. Like, I was just, I was impressed. And then we saw Encanto, Encanto, which mm-hmm. is the new Disney movie. And guys, I I have, it's been a really long time since I've seen a Disney movie this good. I, I told Maddie, like I cried the entire time um, in a good way. It just, it was such a beautiful story. And I, okay, I'm getting distracted. Do you hear that, Maddie? Okay, guys, no. sorry. We're going to be dealing with, cats today um and I'm not sure how much of it you're gonna hear but I've got two cats trapped in this room with me right now and they both are in the most playful mood you could ever imagine one of their toys makes sound so hold on pause I don't know if you can can you hear that I hear it yes I'm gonna lock it up (laughs) that jingle jangle it's like a little hummingbird. I've had it for forever. They've ripped the wings off of it. All the feathers are gone, but they still play with it. I swear. Cause it makes that little noise, but anyways, saw a fantastic movie and just really enjoyed spending time with the family. It was nice to just kind of kick back and relax and live a little bit, you know, in my childhood, feel the Christmas spirit. 
um, pretend to believe in Santa Claus for the kids. It was fun. It was fun. I love that. I know my husband had like seven days off. So going to that show was just like so relaxing. We'd have to worry about him traveling the next day. Um, but he goes back home, back on his trip today and he'll be back for Christmas. So that's nice. But let's dive into the nitty gritty, um, going to like a more somber note, but also kind of exciting. Um, today we're going to be talking about the UND mental health summit and, um, this show will be a tribute to John Hauser. So this major event happened in Chicago. Um, it's huge for the mental health platform in aviation. Um, before we do that, we wanted to just acknowledge the summit, why the summit took place. Um, it's a tribute to John Hauser, the young man that passed away in October of this year. Um, Emma's going to read a tribute from his mom, Anne, because John's a reason this issue has had so much awareness around mental health and aviation. And he's really brought all of these huge hitters in the app world together. Yeah, um, I... I've read this story a few times and every single time I read it, it just, it makes me a little bit emotional because it's, it's sad when somebody who had this much life ahead of them passes so young. Um, And like I said, in the beginning of the episode, it's really important that we do not forget this. Um, I haven't seen people talk about it. Like it happened and then there was this summit. So I'm glad that Things are circulating again, but we have to keep the spirit of this alive because um, it's just it 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 needs to. We can't we cannot forget events like this in aviation. But um, I want to read this story because Anne Annie um, John's mom said that this highlights his character from a very early age. So and I thought I thought it was a really beautiful story. So when John was about 10 years old, he and other friends played games like kickball during recess. This was on the inner courtyard of their school, and one of the boys in their class was often excluded from being on the team. One day, the boy sadly walked back to the door near the school looking dejected, rejected. John said that what was, John saw what was happening and went back to the group and said, If he's not playing, then I'm not playing. The group then decided to include the other boy in the game. Later that evening, the mother called us at home to tell us that the, how the boy felt so happy to be included. And he told his family about it after school. Of course, John would never tell us about this, but his mom was crying on the phone about how important it was for her son to her and her husband. John did a lot to show others love by action, not just words, but what he or what he did for credit more. He did it because it was the right thing to do. So I'm sorry if I stumbled through that a little bit, guys, I'm like I said, it's it's hard for me to read this because and I'm like, I'm trying not to get emotional. But it's sad when you know, John was the same age as my brother and I cannot even imagine the pain that this person had to feel to, to do what he did. And I just, I have so much love and respect for his parents for advocating for him and advocating for mental health and aviation. Um, I know they were in attendance at the summit and it's very, very brave and extreme. Like you have to have so much courage to be able to share these stories and to be able to talk about this. I know when my dad passed, like I, I was numb. Um, I was very numb. And then my uncle passed and I was even more numb. I didn't feel anything until probably a year later. And I was like, it, it hit me that I had been ignoring all this pain inside me because it was too great that I just could not even handle it. So for these people to be able to handle this with such grace and dignity is, is just, it's beautiful. And I just, I thank you again, Annie, for sharing this story with us, for letting us share this story, because we really want to highlight the beautiful and incredible person that John was. Yeah. I, I'm just, so impressed by his family, the action that they've taken. 
um, just you even reading it like makes me want to cry too. I'm just like, this is why we do the work. We don't want this to keep happening to aviators and like they have been silenced. And so we feel we have to be a voice for them and, and for John and just being able to share that small, small story about him really like sheds light on just the amazing, like compassionate person that he was and that suicide can sometimes overshadow that and we just want to make sure you guys remember like these people who are pilots they're people and they have families that love them and they have memories to be shared so um thank you to his family for allowing us to do that for them um and john's death just so that you guys know is one of the fourth alleged suicides at und since 2019 so it's it really hits home that the the students in aviation are being affected at very striking rates and we need to focus on that and and just remembering John today just kind of let that sink in like he was this a very special person um, and he was more than a pilot but he is the reason that we are able to talk today about this mental health summit yeah, so we're going to read some aviation news um, and we're going to quote some stuff from the Flying Mag article that they released about the summit and just go over, break down some of the speaker's comments. There was a lot of good and then there was also some bad and ugly at the summit, but that is to be expected when you're talking about a subject like this that isn't I mean, we are, we are talking about it. I think the, the youth is talking about it on social media a lot, but for the older generation, I think this is kind of new to them. So, you know, we want to go through this and just break down what this means for mental health and aviation and where we need to go from here. Um, so quote, the university of North Dakota hosted a summit at United Airlines ALPA headquarters in Chicago on Wednesday to bring all sides of the aviation industry to discuss mental health and the well-being of the industry's student body and workforce. The summit was prompted by the loss of UND flight student John Hauser as a result of an airplane accident in October. Members of the FAA, the U.S. Air Force, and the Aviation Medical Advisory Service, several airlines, and ALPA as well as researches and the faculty from the school, um, actually from eight flight schools, sorry, and universities. So guys, massive crowd. Like when yeah. I tell you the people that attended this were like, I'm, I'm impressed by how many people came together to attend this event. Um, and I really do think that shows a lot that just in that a lot of people are acknowledging it, but um, they discussed the dangers of mental illness and the resources available to pilots who may suffer from it. Um, so they, I know that this was a private event, but it was a, they I think they streamed it to the students at UND, right? Maddie is what we've heard. Yeah. Yeah. I think so I know two students were in attendance and, from what we know, it, it kind of, like I said, there was a lot of good, there was a bad, there was a little bit of bad, but you guys, students, flight students, you guys are the new generation of aviation. And now more than ever, I ask of you to stand up for your mental health, stand up for your friend's mental health and demand change from the FAA because Honestly, we're the ones being affected the most. If you're flying with an airline, you have a, like a lot of these airlines have services that you can use. I'm not saying everyone, everyone uses them. Uh, obviously my uncle, for example, he had project wingman. He did not utilize that service. I don't think as far as I know. Um, and it obviously didn't help him. So Yes, I see that side of it, but students, there are really, there's nothing really set up for us as we're going through school to get that kind of help. I know for me, if you're going to a 161 type flight school, you're not going to a university that also offers flight training. 
the resources are very limited. Um, and it's important that we do have these resources because you see what's happening. We had John and then also John Haggins at Embry-Riddle who I've seen some people say that he wasn't a pilot, but guys, he was a pilot. He was a private pilot. Um, and we talked about that on the last episode, but it's just, it's important that you guys stand up for your mental health and really be a voice. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that students, aviation students can do right now is send letters to the FAA. I know that that's scary, but I've sent one myself. Um, I know that I'm not a private pilot, but it is important that you're sending these things. We know they don't have the resources to actually get back to you, but the fact that you're being a voice on your end is big. And then like me and Emma always try to hit home, like sending out to your congressional leaders letters like how you feel what your story is the the personal stories are the things that mean the most to these congressional leaders so telling them is important and just in this time you guys like you are the most underserved in your mental health and only you can do something about it me and Emma are you know one voice together but we need more people to really stand up and and tell tell the FAA this is not okay so with that, I'm going to touch on what Flying Mag has said about the Housers um, in their article, because I think it's just important that their voices are heard because they're the whole reason the summit happened. And, you know, they lost someone, they lost their son. And, yeah, and yeah. that is like the biggest thing to me is like, those are the people we need to listen to. They have the biggest voice because they've actually had a tragedy happen to them. And it was in direct, um, direct conflict with like what the FAA has put in place. So, um, flying mag, the quote it has here is the John A. Hauser Mental Health and Aviation Initiative Endowment helped fund the event, which Anne Sutton and Alan Hauser established shortly after their son's death. The Hausers attended the summit and talked about mental health and the necessity of an open discussion about the issue. John's mom said, after John died, our family felt strongly that we wanted to do something in his memory and to honor the joyful life he led. We also wanted to help enact changes at the college level and at the FAA level. So this would not happen to another aviation student or their family. She also went on to say, it's okay and normal to feel sadness, grief, anxiety, and anger in your life. It's also okay to ask for help at any point, especially when emotions begin to feel uncomfortable or overwhelming. There's no shame in asking for help or in wanting to feel better. So um, thank you for saying that to aviators. Um, it's just so important to hear from the families. I think they're, what they say holds so much more weight because they are, you know, they care. I feel like they have a lot more compassion and they're a lot more understanding um, than the FAA. Yeah, definitely. I, I just, again, I, I have so much admiration for his parents for really standing up and, and telling his story. But so they also, it, it looks like Dr. Quay Schneider, am I saying, is that how you say that? I don't know if you know how to say it, Manny. Yeah, but I think you Dr. said it. Quay Schneider. Quay Schneider, president and CEO of the Aviation Medical Advisory Service, spoke on the steps pilots can take to ensure their health and safety and emphasize on the industry's efforts to destigmatize mental health. Um, you know, pilots, guys, pilots aren't necessarily like talking to their family. I know we're talking about family a lot right now, but sometimes depending on what your situation is, you might not have good family to talk to. You might not have good fr friends to talk to. So like he said, pilots are keen to keep their mental health out of conversations and hide it from family, friends, and their workplace and fear they will lose their medical medical certifications in their job if they seek help. Snyder noted, noted this is largely not the case anymore, which is out of touch just like where, where are you living buddy because I want to live there yeah I wanted to um say like a little story a little side side note on that because Emma and I as we've worked to push mental health and aviation I emailed aviation medical advisory service they actually sent me an email first and and they didn't want me to share their services on my Instagram and their public company so they don't have the the say they can't tell me to do that so I emailed them back and said, hey, 
you know, you guys say that you want to help aviators and that you are there for their mental health, but then you're emailing someone who's advocating for pilot mental health and saying that I can't share these services. So that's a, it's a very mixed message that you're sending. And I would like to know like where you're drawing the line here and why you're saying what you're saying. And of course, um, the, so it was the AMAS uh, COO who sent that to me. So they're high up. And I was kind of surprised because they never emailed me back. They never said anything. So it was like, okay, uh, you got to get your messages right. You're going to go to this mental health summit, but you're also going to send people and young people messages about not sharing your services. So like, who do we trust? And that is kind of the problem with these aviation organizations. They don't realize like all of us are online on social media, sharing resources and helping each other. We don't And right now, certainly during the pandemic, we can't just like meet up with each other um, as much as we would like to. So everything is very social media based. But then these companies are saying, oh, you know, this isn't the case anymore. Pilots are okay with sharing these things. And that's not true. Like, so there's like this disconnect there that I don't think they even realize they're that disconnected with with our generations. It's honestly tone deaf to say when you're at a summit for a student who admitted to having fear about seeking help out of fear for their future career. It's, it's extremely tone deaf. I don't, I don't know why you would say that. And like you said, Maddie, we're talking to people all the time. And a lot of these people are telling us about their fears and it's completely understandable their fear. And yeah, this was just extremely tone deaf, especially when we literally have the evidence and the data from Billy, Dr. Billy Hoffman's studies to say otherwise. So this just, at which this was not the only off the wall comment that I think was made at the summit, but that one, that one kind of irks my nerve a little bit. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's just when they say these things, I'm like, did you not just hear like, why this whole summit was put together. Somebody had a mental health struggle and felt they couldn't report it or disclose it. And that's the whole reason you're at this summit. And then you're going to say, oh, it's largely not the case anymore. You, like you said, it's toned up, it's disconnected. And it's kind of a a punch in the gut, a slap in the Mm -hmm. face. Yeah. I mean, and like Dr. Billy said, uh, here, here, I'll just, I'll give you some, I'll give you some rates. And if you haven't already listened to um, the episode with Dr. Billy Hoffman, please go back and listen to it. He has been an incredible resource for pilots. He's a U.S. Air Force neurologist and air medical examiner for the FAA, and he does a lot of research involving pilots seeking healthcare and treatment. So pilots have a higher rate of depression as well as heart disease and melanoma. And one of the major studies he did, 56%, uh, 56%, which was out of 4,300 pilots surveyed, they said 56% of them engaged in unauthorized pilot aeromedical behavior. Um, this could mean that pilots participated in information, like informational med- medical care. So like Billy has said to us multiple times, one of the main resources that people tend to go to is the internet. Um, but 75% said they would use a sanctioned intervention to address healthcare behavior. So that kind of is telling us that, yes, there is aversion. Um, People are scared to seek help. So what he said is not true. And then that also tells us that people are willing to seek help, but they just want a platform that they feel comfortable doing so. Yeah, platform that they trust, which is difficult with the FAA. I think, I, I honestly think there isn't really a platform that pilots fully trust. Like mm-hmm. even if it's sanctioned by the airlines, even if, if all these schools come out with these sanctioned healthcare platforms for mental health, I still think the aversion will be there because the FAA has set it up for so long to be like this untrusting thing. And so that's kind of where I have questions like with the summit is like, how are you going to build pilots trust back? Because for so long, it's been just broken down and it's totally broken now. Yeah. I mean, my, my dad and my uncle is, is a very good example that this isn't happening among the youth too. It does happen on the airline level. And speaking of that, I did want to say, um, 
thank you to Billy for sharing my story. Um, he used the, the picture in one of his slides that was used for the petition. And it was wild hearing and seeing that, like that, it, it that, that something, some kind of good is, is coming out of what happened to my dad and my uncle, but what happened to my dad and my uncle, they, they were, my dad was 54 when he died. And when he died, you know, when he first told us about his health concerns, he had waited, like, I don't know how long he waited, but he waited a while and he was afraid. Same thing with my uncle. If I feel like my uncle was probably depressed for a while. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to harm yourself, but I think both of these men were really afraid of the consequence of seeking help, the consequence of getting better, but never being able to fly again. I just want to say like one more time, you guys, like how huge it is that this picture, like, cause Emma won't do it. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> like, I just am so impressed that the picture was at the summit. Like, um, Billy showed the picture. People have contacted us and been like, is this you guys? Um, even though the petition wasn't shared, the picture was, and, um, you know, like the whole reason I started down this road with Emma is because of Emma. Like she inspired me so much. I was like, I want to help. Like you need help. I want to be there. And just your uncle and your dad's story, like they are two of many pilots that have had these problems happen to them and then passed away. And it's so amazing that you get to share this. And then finally, like it's coming to this big head, you know, like I'm just, I'm amazed by you, Emma. You're inspiring. And I'm just grateful that that your story is getting out there and people are seeing it. Oh, thank you, Maddie. I honestly would like, it wouldn't be possible without you. I think you've given me a lot of courage to have more of a voice. I think a lot of the reason why I did take a break for so long was fear. And I saw you doing what you were doing and just, you kept on advocating. And I was like, this girl is fucking awesome. Like, and it just, it made me really, it made me confident. It made me feel like, okay, I can do this. Like I can freaking do this, but I, yeah, I think I was just it. like waiting for you to come back around. I was like, Emma's going to come back around. She's going to come back around. And you know what, here we are together doing the podcast. And, you know, I'm grateful that we were able to kind of do that for each other, you know, like, because I don't yeah. think I would have ever done this if I wouldn't have come on your podcast. So, um, you know, girl gang, baby, bring this together now. <laughs> Lilas. Lilas. Yeah, I, I want to say, well, thank you, Maddie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. But thank yeah, you. thank you again to Billy Hoffman. And just thank you to everyone who made this possible. I mean, there are almost 9,000 signatures now. And all 9,000 of you are the reason why this, this has happened and why we're getting this message out there. And why I've been able to share my, my dad and my uncle's story, which is super important to me, guys. Um, I, I've always felt like I had a legacy that I needed to live and my uncle and my father just passed way too young. And so to be able to keep their memory alive through sharing their story is just, it means a lot to me. So thank you guys. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. Hey everyone, before we move into the next portion of this week's episode, I want to strongly emphasize that although we will be linking some of our resources, we cannot directly quote some of them. So moving forward, some of the quotes that you will hear are alleged. Um, we just want to make that really clear to protect ourselves. Um, yeah, so these are our opinions and our opinions alone. Thank you. Alrighty, guys. So we are going to dive into the FAA's response at the summit. 
This is just a quote from Flying Magazine. We've kind of done our due diligence, talked to a few students who were at the summit, and also read some Reddit threads, which is where all the truth comes out. But this is like a direct quote. We'll kind of break everything down for you, our thoughts on what they said. So Flying Mag's direct quote, director of the FAA's medical specialties divisions in the Office of Aerospace Medicine, Dr. Penny Giovanetti, is responsible for the FAA's medical appeals process, employee drug and alcohol testing programs, and evaluation and management of psychiatric cases. She noted recent changes the FAA made in regards to policies related to the use of antidepressant use and performance as it relates to mental health. The FAA has recognized that pilots want to be able to talk to other pilots about concerns they have, Gian Vinetti said. Senior leadership of the Aerospace Medicine Department is staffed with experienced pilots, and all four executives of the department have private pilot's licenses. So I think the way that like the article presents it seems like the FAA was there doing a good job. Like it doesn't really share too much of like what they've said. Um, but the people who attended the summit kind of had a very different overlook or overview of, of what the FAA said. So Emma, you should go ahead and share how the FAA's response was kind of like a slap in the face. We, so we feel like. I don't, I don't have the direct quotes of what was said, but I, I guess yeah. Penny, um, had mentioned that they had hired a third person, <laughs> They had hired a third person to help. So essentially the questions being asked were, okay, so what, what is the, you know, what would you guys like for the turnaround rate to be for the SI process? And I guess she said 60 days. And then another question was asked, um, realistically right now, what is the turnaround process? And I think she said three to six months and guys don't hold me to this because I don't have the direct quotes, but then somebody asked, I guess, you know, well, what are you, what are, what are you doing about that? How are you going to fix the process? It takes too long. And she essentially fired back and said that we hired one more person. So now I guess that makes three people who are doing the paperwork. And like we've been told, Maddie, the, the system that the FAA is using to receive your guys' paperwork and to review it is literally archaic. I don't think they have any of it in, like, it's not digital um, as far as we know. And, you know, forgive me, that might not be correct information, but the information that we've received from pretty reliable people has, they have all told us that they're really, they do not have a system set up to handle the amount of paperwork that they have. Um, one person hiring one person is not going to make a difference. Like you need 20 people, 25 people, 30 people, like, and for her and, and Maddie, we, we spoke, we've spoken to people and you know what their opinion on what Penny said, but from yeah. what people told us, it was embarrassing, um, that her behavior was just embarrassing I don't even know another term for it but and I mean from what I've heard I'm just appalled like it's it reminded me like exactly of how aviators feel about the FAA like that they will seek retribution like the way that she so people just so you guys know we have to keep every resource that we have like confidential so that's why we don't name any names but someone who was at the summit said she literally pulled her mask down pointed at the person asking the question and like rebuked her for even asking the question. And that is literally the representation of the FAA to all pilots. We're like, we say anything, you're going to get yelled at. Yeah, that was the one thing um, our resource kept telling us is she kept taking her mask down, essentially to, to I think, like raise her voice at, at the people who were asking her questions. I mean, yeah. what other, why, why else would you take down your mask? I it just, it's the whole... The whole behavior of it is weird. And I guess they pulled out that special issuance flow chart. And I'm so sick of that flow chart. It's like, look at our fancy little flow chart that helps you navigate our stupid, archaic, confusing system. It's literally, it does not help at all. It doesn't help at all. And it's honestly, 
it's like false advertising. It's, it kind of makes you feel hopeful that like, oh, I can go get help and take this antidepressant and go back to work. That might not be the case. They like everyone's experience is unique and you don't know what you're going to find out. Like once you start seeking that help and the FAA makes no promise, the FAA doesn't say, oh yeah, go seek help. We gotcha. You know what I mean? The yeah. FA is not going to make any kind of promise. And yes, they say their denial rate is super low, but the amount, the time period that these people and the amount of money that is spent for these people to obtain their license again, it's not right. Okay. So just reminded me of something that was said, and I don't think Penny said this, but someone said, the question was asked, well, what are you going to do about the cost of the SI process? You know, students who are going through the process, they really don't have, you know, the funds for it to begin with. And someone literally had the audacity to say, well, if you're in aviation, you probably have money anyways. Yeah, which is also tone deaf. It's like these, all these pilots are getting loans to even fly there. I mean, if you have the means to pay for it, that's awesome. But I feel like most people have to take out loans to be able to become a pilot. So yeah, seeing I mean, that is like, okay, so you want me to take out any like more money and you're not even guaranteed. I feel like we just talked about Sally Mae getting a loan approved is like so freaking hard anyways. I don't yeah. know. It's just, it frustrates me that they don't realize how much it costs or they, or they do realize and they literally don't care. Well, I mean, to, to make an example for you, what if I'm me right now? Okay. I'll take myself for an example. I've spent about, I don't know, close to 50 grand. You know what I mean? Close mm -hmm. to 50 grand on everything. That is money that I won't get back. Now I have two amazing licenses that I am so, so grateful for. Okay. What if something happened to me? Okay. And mm -hmm. I have to go get help. Well, I've already spent 50 grand on my licenses and all of that. Now I'm going to have to spend more money on my medical expenses and the process of getting my licenses back. And then I'm not even guaranteed a promise that I'm going to get it back. So say I'm just denied at the end of it all, or it becomes so expensive that I can no longer afford it. Now I'm in debt and I don't have a career. Yeah. And the fact that you already thought about that is like, that's literally why pilots have an aversion. They think about all those things because pilots aren't stupid. They're like, okay, I got a checklist. I got to follow it. So what are all the steps I need to take? And if nothing is guaranteed, why would we follow the checklist? Yeah. And I mean, we understand fully that at the end of the day, the FAA is, it all has to go through Congress for the FAA to have any kind of change. So we understand that the FAA is not the end-all be-all and they're not going to be the person that can rewrite the laws, but for them to behave this way, for Penny, for yeah. Penny to behave this way, and from what we've heard, I'm sorry, it is just, it's disgusting behavior. I cannot imagine what would possess you to behave that way at a event that is in tribute and in honor of a young man whose life just ended it's yeah and he again also, yeah like and we've heard that his mom had read kind of what he had said before um he took his own life and I mean that should have been a message to them like hey this is happening due to the protocols that you guys have in place. But instead of acknowledging that they're like, you know, Hey, look at my pretty like system that I have set up for the SSRI process. It's good. It's golden. It literally, you guys looks like a electrical system to me because <laughs> yeah, it uh, does. It looks I, like a grid, like a, a wire board. Jesse was drawing out the electrical system, my husband and it's on the whiteboard right now. And I'm like, that's exactly what the SSRI process looks like. And so it's no wonder when people look at that, they're like, I have no idea how to navigate this. And I've had, you know, pilots in my DMs say, I've looked at the pathway and it's just very confusing. And even I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't understand it. So vague. Um, yeah, like it's vague. And like you said, there's no promises at the end. So when you look at it, you're like, okay, if this is not guaranteed it's simply for like the opportunity for me to fly why would I 
put myself through that. And especially if you don't have the funds and you don't have the mental capacity to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, it's frustrating. I could say a lot, but there's a lot I'm not going to say, guys. <laughs> Me and Emma could go ham for hours on this, oh, but we won't. We will yeah. digress. Um, so I'll, I still I'll got, in. I still got oh. my my wallet, my licenses that I got to keep. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll stop here. Um, but I am going to tell you guys in the flying mag, I like that they put some resources at the end, which we will attach to the show notes so that if you guys want to look at those resources you can but they are the there's four of them there's one for the airline pilot association health watch one for airline pilots association mental health and family the aopa mental health resources and then the faa mental fitness which is probably just an article telling you like what you can and can't get your your medical pulled for so we'll leave that in our show notes for you guys um and i really think that this is just like an important conversation that we need to have because it really takes grassroots efforts for the FAA to change. And even though they were at this summit, even though they know there are statistics showing that there is a version, they're still hardline about their process. And they've really spoken at this, at the summit, I really think they showed their true colors and saying, Hey, yeah, we know this is an issue, but also, you know what, we're okay with it because we have this, we have great statistics on paper. (laughs) On paper, we look good. And that's all that matters to them because they, the FAA really is all about like shedding liability. It isn't about like, like making pilots healthy. It's about shedding liability. So as long as they look good on paper, they're going to keep doing it. I mean, this is just like, this is typical government behavior. Like Mm -hmm. The government, that's how that's how this kind of stuff is going to function. So as as much as I am disappointed, I'm not surprised. And I do feel like there is reason to be hopeful though, because they having all of this presented to them right in front of their eyes, that's huge, guys. So don't don't let those remarks make you feel like, oh crap, like nothing is gonna change. Um change is coming change is near and eventually it's going to get to a breaking point we all know this but like maddie said keep on signing the petition and we have to get that congressional level change so writing your writing your state and local elected officials is so important yes i'm sorry i'm like i feel like i need to blow my nose but we blow it let's get it all wrap we're gonna like wrap it up with our questions because we didn't do that on our last solo and you know we gotta make it a little bit fun at the end um lighten up the mood yeah just lighten it up a little bit um so emma i'll ask you the first question okay what hold on okay if you had to watch one movie for the rest of your life what would it be dude this one was hard man like what i was thinking too one movie like i there's like three movies but i'm like ugh. honestly secret life of walter mitty dang i would never have guessed that for you it's it's really between secret life of walter mitty and never cry wolf also 100 and or 360 degrees south or no 180 degrees south sorry <laughs> okay i have only seen the life of walter mitty so Oh my God. It's such a good movie. I feel like I could watch. Yeah. I mean, out of all three of those secret life of Walter Mitty, like I could watch that over and over again. It's just an adventure from start to beginning. You know, it's so good. I think my movie is going to be, have you seen liar liar with Jim Carrey? Mm -mm, No, it's an old movie. So like I, I'm a millennial guys. I'm still obsessed with my nineties roots that I grew up with. So liar liar is about Jim Carrey. He can't tell a lie for a day. And so his kid wishes that he can't tell a lie because he's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so he has to go through this trial with this girl and he can't tell a lie. So being a lawyer, it's, that was difficult for him. Yeah. And it's, Jim Carrey is just a hilarious man. So I could watch that a million times over. Dang. Honestly, that sounds like a good plot. Like not I, as a lawyer, not being able to lie. Like what? Even just like in your everyday life, like I feel like everyone 
says at least one white lie. Like if it's my boyfriend who just asked me if I farted, you know what I mean? Of course I'm going to say no. Like, like, no, that was the cat. (laughs) It was the dog. Uh, Okay. Maddie, what's your biggest pet peeve? Like what grinds your gears? So honestly, I don't have very many. It takes a lot for me to get upset, but like, I'm just thinking of little things. My brother my older brother he's five years older he used to yell at us all the time me and my twin when we were little about eating with our mouths open like smacking or anything so he always used to be like you need to shut your mouth like close your mouth when you're eating so now because I was so like attuned to that now when I'm older like that really annoys me now I'm like I can hear you eating like to my husband I'm like close your mouth (laughs) yeah oh my god my mom was really big on table manners so like you have to close your mouth when you're chewing. And now I can't go to any dinner party or dinner event without always thinking about it. I know it like when you grow up with those things, it almost like traumatizes you. And then you're yeah. like very <laughs> attuned to it. So then it mm-hmm. annoys you. You're like, thank you for those childhood things. Uh, mine's got to be shitty driving and bad communication. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I, shitty I, driving will... Mm, that's one you want to ruin my whole day pull out in front of me (laughs) watch what happens I can see you go into like zero to a hundred rage mode like so fast dude you you came back with me from Charlotte to RDU you you saw I feel like I was pretty tame though I wasn't trying to scare you yeah you were not too bad but I remember you being like you know if anyone does anything wrong it's coming out yeah it's gonna unleash itself but this one okay the last question dude this made me feel this kind of made me question my whole entire identity um what is an unpopular opinion you have I'll let you go first Maddie um oh god like do not give me this you get to answer this question because honestly I just want to know your your unpopular opinion because I don't know one right now I don't see, I literally sat there and I'm like, I don't have any unpopular opinions. Honestly, the only unpopular opinion that I have. (sighs) Did we dupe ourselves? I, I don't like the Marvel movies. Oh, see, and I'm not super into action movies, so I can side with you on that. Like, but my husband, I swear, if he hears me saying that, he's going to run in here and be like, what did you just say? (laughs) No, I seriously, I just don't like them. I loved Captain Marvel, hard exception for Captain Marvel. Um, But I just, you know, what about I have one on Netflix. I think it's Marvel because Jessica Jones. I I love that show. Yeah. And I think that's Marvel. So Okay. It, because it's a woman-led role I'm like yes I love Jessica Jones she's badass she kind of has like our same personality in a lot of ways just like don't mess with us mm-hmm. well I love David Tennant is the the bad guy in that show and when I was young I'm gonna say little because I was little I used to love Doctor Who <laughs> I'm like bold out here saying I don't like the Avengers movie. I'm like, it's corny. Yeah. And then I'm like, I also love Dr. Hill. Um, <laughs> Call yourself out. But he was my favorite doctor out of that series. Like, he's such a good actor. I love David Tennant. Daddy. Love that. Um, okay. That was our one unpopular opinion. Guys, don't hate us. We don't like the Marvel marvel stuff so yeah it's, um, it's okay like it's fine but it's just like not my cup of tea yeah yeah we'll, we'll we'll watch something else but that leads me into the coffee giveaway for december so we've been giving coffee away every week to those who subscribe or rate our podcast and then send it to us in the dms like take a screenshot and send it so i have the review that i'm going to read i just need to grab my phone And we're really grateful, you guys, for doing these. Um, It helps our podcast grow and helps us get awareness spread, which is the big thing. We just want awareness around mental health for pilots to be spread. So this subscriber said his name's his or her, they, sorry, I always do that. Bottom Feeder 101, love the name. It says, great podcast. The topics are thoughtful and provoking. I hope to see more attention to pilot mental health in the near future. Thanks for the contribution to the aviation community. 
thank you for that awesome five-star review. We really appreciate that. And just let me know because I never got a screenshot. So you just have to send me that into my DMs or Pilots Pandemic DMs or to our Gmail. And I will send you over the free coffee. So just one more time, guys, to get into the giveaway next week, I believe, is the last week. Am I right, Emma? Mm-hmm. On that? Yeah. Okay, and so I, next week's the last yeah. week for the coffee giveaway. Yeah, last week. Um, so all you guys got to do is give us a review. It has to be on Apple Podcasts for a written review. Um, we can't do it on Spotify, unfortunately. But if you do subscribe, just take a screenshot if it is on Spotify and send it to us. Um, but we do prefer the reviews just to help us grow a little bit. We appreciate that so much. Yeah, guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for leaving all your nice words and comments. Like it does a lot for the platform, but it also, it makes me feel good to know that people are listening and people enjoy and like, like our contribution. So thank you again. And guys, I'm sorry if I sound a little bit off this week. I think talking about this is a little bit, it's just, it's emotional. Um, and I think every week we get a little bit better, but there's still some weeks where it can be kind of nerve wracking to talk about this stuff. So I just want to say thank you again to all of our loyal listeners for being here, for literally like being here from the beginning. We're wrapping up this year and it's very interesting to see how far we've grown since the beginning of the year. And I'm just, I'm happy that I'm back in it. So happy that I've got Maddie, my awesome co-host, and that we're doing the dying thing. So thank you all for making it possible. And yeah, I mean, on that note, thank you again to John's family for letting us share this story. And guys, please just, you know, I don't know if you're religious, whatever, just think about them um, during this time. I know with the holidays coming up, it's hard for anyone who has lost somebody, but just, just please be mindful of that. Um, and on that note, just keep the blue side up and the brown side down. Okay. Oh, yeah. Stop recording.